And Lord, I pray that our hearts would not be hard. Pray that our hearts, our faith would not be old. Pray as we come to a day of mourning that we would respond aright. That we would respond by turning to You and turning away from the devices of the enemy of our souls. He above all seeks to divide us. He above all seeks to cause us to hate. And though from the world's perspective it makes no sense, we know that from the power of the Holy Spirit we can love. Give us great grace today, Jesus. Help us to hear Your Word and help us to be shaped by it so that we will value what is eternal and we would toss out as trinkets those things that are of right now. Bless us, Jesus, so that we will be a blessing. Amen. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. So says the bumper sticker. What does that mean? Well, it could mean that the person driving the car is one of these Antifa people who are all about violently rebelling against what's going on around us. It could be that they're right-wing extremists who are all about race and all about so-called purity. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Could be someone from the left. Could be someone from the right. I don't know. Is that right? Is that correct? Is it true that given the state of the world that we're in, we must be angry? 26 people, last I heard, passed away. 24, 23 died right in the sanctuary. Two made it outside and passed away. One made it to an ER in San Antonio and died in the ER. At least two dozen people were in some way injured, some relatively minor, some critically. Maybe the death count will go higher. Don't know. Sutherland, Texas. Sutherland Springs, Texas is a small town southeast of San Antonio. 362 people live in the town. San Bernardino, famously, a couple years ago, right down the street, literally my off-ramp, down at the opposite end of town, someone went into a government building and shot the place up. Happens all the time. And so what do we get? We get the angry people. Gun rights. We need more guns so that we can protect ourselves. And then we get angry people over here. Get rid of all the guns because all the guns are evil. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. 
Is that how we respond? There are, I think, ideas that we could talk about politically. There are, I think, ideas that we could talk about in terms of alleviating some of the stresses in our culture, be they financial, be they racial, be they any number of a good number of things that need to be looked at in this sin-sick society. I agree, 100%. But that's not what tonight's about. Tonight is about finding out what does the Bible say about human tragedies like the mass killing at First Baptist Church, Sutherland Springs, Texas. Believe it or not, although I think most of you do, Jesus spoke to this issue. Jesus spoke to the heart of what's going on. And we find what he writes, what he says in Luke chapter 13. There were some present at that very time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered the people standing there, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No. Simple answer. These Galileans weren't worse. I, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18, he picks up the thread, on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Jesus face divisions like we do. The time that Jesus walked the earth there in Judah and Galilee and those tired and Sidon were very divided. People hated each other. People really hated each other. And they were being ruled over by these overlords who were squashing them down. Bad times politically. It only got worse. So, people were always trying to needle each other. They were trying to dig under the skin. They were trying to figure out, what are you made of? What is it you put your hope in? Is your hope like the zealots so that we can kick off this government, get rid of the oppressive government? Is that what we should be angry about? Or maybe it's, financial security. Maybe we need to be all about businesses and making sure that the businesses are running really well and they get all the tax breaks and leave everybody else behind. Maybe that's what we should be angry about. Maybe we should be angry about, pick a topic, pick a topic. And there's, there's plenty out there for us to be bitter about. So one of those kinds of questions that they would needle each other with and one that certainly they wanted to get Jesus' take on so that they could either accuse him or they could say, oh, that's the answer we need to turn to. 
What about that wicked man, Pilate? What about that terrible, evil person? And hey, I tell you what, let's be equal opportunity employer here because we can go on the right and we can find all kinds of terrible, evil, wicked, bad things about Barack Obama. Or we can go on the other side and now that we got Donald Trump in the office, man, we can run down a list about all the wretched things that this man has done and said. You want to find a bone to pick? We got bones all over the place. And the world replies, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Jesus responded. By the way, I think the questioners were right. Pilate was a wretch. I mean, he was an evil man. I mean, he, he really was that bad. I mean, who takes people going and worshiping God and mows them down and offers them as a sacrifice? Oh, wait, that's kind of what happened today, isn't it? It's also what's happening, by the way, in South Sudan. You know anything about that? Christians getting butchered every Sunday? Hmm. Do I take my little four and a half year old girl to church today because there's a fair chance that she doesn't come home? Jesus, you know what he does? He doesn't take the bait. He says he has nothing to say about Pilate. You think those people who died in Sutherland, Texas were worse people than you? You got it wrong. I confess today my heart got distracted quite a bit. I was all ready to preach Romans chapter 1. I was excited about it. Found out about Sutherland Sutherland Springs, Texas and I started reading the news about it. And then I did what I tell myself, Greg, never do, never do, never do. I started reading the comments below the news. I, I really dealt with bitterness for a minute because there was some guy on there with little happy faces saying they got what they deserved. They were worshiping and their God couldn't protect them. My first response was not godly. And then I prayed for that man. I started praying for him. That man is lost. That man is lost. Jesus says here, your friends who voted for Barack Obama or your friends who voted for Donald Trump, they don't deserve extra bad things to happen to them. No. Bad things happen to people who voted for Obama and bad things happen to people who voted for Trump because we live in a sin-sick world. And bad things happen to all of us. And the news is, pay attention because it's going to happen to you too.
pastor of this church and his wife were evidently on vacation. I, I don't know. We probably hear the story in a couple of days. But their 14-year-old daughter didn't go on vacation with them. And so the pastor's 14-year-old daughter was among those who were murdered today. Happy vacation, pastor. Oh, you know, bad things happen. People are evil. And if it wasn't for that wretch, fill in your blank, whichever one you want to talk about, those people wouldn't have died. Well, what about the Tower of Siloam? What about Hurricane Harvey? People died. Yeah. In fact, Jesus didn't wait for them to bring up Hurricane Harvey. He just went straight at it. You know those people who died in Hurricane Harvey? Watch out because you might be next. So what do you need to do? You need to repent. You need to repent. The first response of every Bible-believing, Christ-honoring Christian is to repent. Because Sutherland Springs, Texas might happen in Santa Maria, California. You need to repent because you might be going to heaven before you get home tonight. But you know what is also true? You need to repent right now because you might make it the next 50 years on this planet and you are going to need the power of God the Spirit in your life every single day. Amen? Amen. The first call of Sutherland Springs, Texas is for Greg Burtnett to repent. To turn from my little piddling ways looking on Facebook or feeling sorry for myself because I didn't get my way or thinking how unfair it is that something happened or didn't happen. It's not about me. It's about He. What sins are you hiding in your heart? When I was a college-age pastor, most common question I would get from my college students, I got a lot, but the most common one that I got was, how do I know God's will for my life? And the corollary to that is, We always wanted to know, can I have God speak to me? I finally came up with a foolproof answer for that. You want to hear God speak to you? Serious, right now. Does anybody want to have God speak to them? You you want to hear God speak to you? This is the 100% foolproof way to get God to speak to you. When When you're able to be quiet, laying on your bed tonight, Maybe while you're driving home. Maybe while you're washing your hair if you have any. Pray this prayer. Lord, show me the sins that You have for me to repent of right now. I dare You. This is my experience of that. Usually it doesn't happen right away. Usually, it happens the next time over the next 24 hours that my brain is in neutral, my mind isn't concentrating on something in particular, and I'll remember that comment that I made to my wife yesterday. 
Men, any amens on that? Or it'll be about the lady that I gossiped about with my girlfriends on Facebook. Ladies, if you want to hear God speak to you, ask the Lord what sins you need to repent of right now. You want the finances and the people of this church to turn around? Do you want Grace Baptist to start moving forward again? I'm asking a question. Repent. First step in every revival is that the church repents. I know a sin that we struggle with. I know it because I know there's at least one person in this room who struggles with this sin. We'll see if there are any others. We're angry because we're paying attention to Facebook. We're angry because we're paying attention to the people who are biting at each other. We're angry because we're paying attention to our own little navels. And we can't get our eyes out and pay attention to the world that needs to see Christ in action. We're angry because we're not paying attention to the right thing. We're angry because what we're doing is we're looking at our enemies. It's been said the old Native American saying is that one day I went out looking for my enemies and I couldn't find any friends. The next day I went looking for my friends and I couldn't find any enemies. I prefer, I think that's a true statement by the way, but I prefer the way Jesus says it. Luke chapter 6, verse 27-28. But I say to you who hear, (laughs) I want to stop there just for a second. I say to you who hear, because there's a lot of people who have read the Bible but aren't listening because I'm paying attention to Facebook. Because I'm paying attention to my peeps, my tribe, my people who are either pro-NRA or anti-NRA. And because I'm paying attention to my people, they're right. And the other side is a bunch of idiots who don't know anything. Jesus says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. I've said this many times. Christianity is simple. Christianity is not complex. So let's just get down to brass tacks. Let's just, let's just tell it like it is. Alright? Do you love those who hate you? Do you love those who hate you? Oh, of course I do, Pastor. I love everybody. I love everybody. I don't care who they are. I don't care what color their skin. I don't care what they do in their bedroom. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Okay, fine. Let's go with that. But then I've got two follow-up questions. How do you know that you love those who hate you? And then how do those who hate you know that you love them? 
Do you have any friends who are LGBTQ? Do they know that you love them? Do they know that you're fair-minded? How many of you have people on either side of the gun debate? Just to pick something political because it's going to be thrown bantered. It's already bantered back and forth today a hundred times. I think you know which side I fall on that. But then the question is, who am I befriending? Who am I showing that I love them and I really care about their arguments and I'm really thoughtful about my side's arguments? Who am I showing that I love them? And I'm not just knee-jerk reacting to what my tribe says. And in case you're wondering, because I think it would be a fair question, in case you're wondering, what on earth would it mean for me to love those who hate me? Well, Jesus happened to give us a story. Guy's walking down, out of town, he gets beat up, he gets tossed on the side of the road, and the priest walks by. I mean, the priest is the holiest guy, and, you know, he can't get his hands dirty, so I'm going to walk over here. And then the Levite, the Levite does get his hands dirty. He's the guy who cleans up the messes that the priest makes. So, you know, he's walking by, he's pretty holy, you know, he's, he's pretty good. You know, the priest would be like Pastor Benji. He's higher and better, and I'm the, the, the Levite down here, you know. But I ain't going near that guy. I'm walking over here. What's the point of the story? The point of the story is that the despised person, the homosexual abortionist, is the one who helps the dude in the gutter. Change that story, by the way. Whenever you think in terms of the good Samaritan, don't say Samaritan. Say homosexual abortionist. And start hearing that story the way God, Jesus told it. And so the guy, he wants to know who's my neighbor. Your neighbor is the homosexual abortionist. Ouch. Your neighbor is the one who's near you. Your neighbor is whoever it is who's near you who needs to hear the love of Jesus. Now, I don't know any abortionists. I do know some homosexuals. I bet you do too. Show them that you love them. Nah, you don't approve of all that they do, but I, I'll leave that. Let them know that you care about them as a person. Let them know that you care about the things that are dragging them down so that you can share with them the love of Jesus. The way to respond to Sutherland Springs, Texas is to love your enemies. Pastor Benji has said this ten times if he's said it a thousand times. Don't fight on Facebook. 
Stop it. You're not going to change them. Find out how you can love them. Lastly, what do we do? How do we respond to Sutherland Springs, Texas? We're in a war. Make no mistake. We're not in a war where we need AR-15s. We're not in a war where we need knives and tactical suits. We're in a war against the enemies of our souls. And where the battle is fought is in our minds. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3-5 through For though we walk in the flesh and we can be killed by AR-15s, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. We destroy arguments. And we destroy every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to Christ. Do you fight like a Christian? Do you fight like a Christian? A Christian fights with his mind and his heart. A Christian takes every thought captive. Now again, most of you know me, and someone comes to murder those I love, and I will throw my body and everything I have at that person to stop them. That is what men do. Period. If you want to fight about it, we'll talk afterwards. But I need to make sure that I'm not dwelling on that. I need to make sure that my heart is in love for the person, for the people I love, for the people I'm defending. I need to make sure that my thoughts are such that I am here for the glory of God. I am here to take every thought captive and to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And I am here to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Again, most of you know I'm not a huge fan of Donald Trump. I mean, the guy is a wretch. I mean, if he, he would just stop his Twitter, we would be so much better off. But I am very thankful for other things. And I am not going to let temporal, political, financial fights to distract me from what is really true and what is really needed. Take every thought captive has at least one major application in the Facebook age. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I, I, want, I would be interested in knowing how many of us, as soon as we saw that there was a shooting at a church in Texas, were praying to God that it wasn't someone from our tribe. It wasn't some Christian who was disgruntled and went to go kill someone and ended up killing a bunch of people. 
How many of us thought, oh man, I hope it's some liberal person. I hope that it's some Hillary Clinton voter. That cannot be where our mind goes. That cannot be where our mind goes. Because Satan has bumper stickers to make you angry. So that you're paying attention to him. So that you're paying attention to my peeps. My tribe. Go us. That is not what Christianity is about. We left Jew and Gentile behind. Let's leave these other dissensions behind as well. Let us pray for the church. Let us pray for God's glory. Let us pray for His kingdom to advance and not worry about our petty little kingdoms. Okay, if you want to vote for this person or that, I'm, that's fine. Good. Do that. Be an informed voter. But don't allow my tribe to allow that to get between you and the person who needs to see Jesus. If there's one thing that we need to learn from Sutherland um, Springs, Texas, is that we need to love the people around us. We need to repent of our own blindness. And we need to take the thoughts that would hinder us from that captive. And we need to throw it away. We need to think like Jesus. Who while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. We were spitting in His face. We were cursing Him. And He died for us. (laughs) Sorry, Texans. But the other illustration that comes to my mind about this is remember Waco, Texas? Maybe remember David Koresh? Remember that? That was a mess. That was terrible. Well, imagine President Bill Clinton coming in on Marine One, the helicopter, and you know, you had the ATF, you had FBI, and everybody surrounding this compound. Imagine he comes in and he lands right there in front of the compound, and he says, All y'all, listen. Get on the helicopter. We're out of here. No questions asked. We're done. Get on the helicopter and we're out of here. Can you imagine? First of all, can you imagine that happening? No, you can't. Why? Because people don't work like that. But God does. It's exactly what God the Son did. He came down. He dwelt among us. And He died so that we could live for the people who hate us. And they hate us because they hate Him first. That's what this is all about. You know what this is? This is a reminder... That the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the President of Presidents landed in enemy-occupied territory. And he said, all y'all, just get on the helicopter. Come on. Step on up. If you do, we're good. No charges. No ATF. No FBI. We're good. This is also a reminder that when we jump on that chopper, 
when we jump on with Jesus, it doesn't matter how bad we smell because we're teenagers or we have boys in our house. Never mind. Sorry. That was personal. (laughs) It doesn't matter whether we have hair or we've realized that hair is overrated. Male, female, red, yellow, black, or white. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't matter how much money you don't have. Doesn't matter if you're bitter because something didn't go your way. It matters what you've done with the Son. 